Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Spiritual principle, hope. Many of us compulsive overeaters tend to look at this step and say, restore me to sanity. I don't need that. I'm perfectly sane. I just have an eating problem. But how sane are we really? When we look with complete honesty at our lives, we see that where eating is concerned, we have acted in an extremely irrational and self-destructive manner. Under the compulsion to overeat, many of us have done things no sane person would think of doing. We have driven miles in the dead of night to satisfy a craving for a food. We have eaten food that was frozen, burnt, stale, or even dangerously spoiled. We have eaten food off other people's plates, off the floor, and off the ground. We have dug food out of the garbage and eaten it. We have frequently lied about what we have eaten, lied to ourselves and to others because we didn't want to face the truth about what we do when it comes to food. We have stolen food from our friends, families, and employers, as well as from the grocery store. We have stolen money to buy food. We have eaten beyond the point of being full, beyond the point of being sick of eating. We have continued to overeat knowing all the while we were disfiguring and maiming our bodies. We have isolated ourselves to eat, damaging our relationships and denying ourselves full social lives. Because of our compulsive eating, we have turned ourselves into objects of ridicule and have destroyed our health. Then, horrified by what we are doing to ourselves with food, we became obsessed with diets. We spent lots of money on weight loss schemes. We bought all sorts of appetizers appetite suppressants. We joined diet clubs and fitness centers. We had ourselves hypnotized and analyzed. We had major surgery on our digestive systems. We had our ears stapled or our jaws wired shut. All of this we did willingly, hoping we could still eat all we wanted and be free of the compulsion. Some of us went from doctor to doctor looking for a cure. The doctors gave us diets, but we had no better success with those than with the other diets we'd been on. The doctors prescribed shots and pills. Those worked for a while, but we inevitably lost control and overate again, putting back on the weight we had worked so hard to lose and frequently gaining more. Many of us tried fasting with and without a doctor's supervision. Usually we lost weight, but as soon as we started eating again, the compulsive eating behavior returned along with the weight. Some of us learned to purge ourselves with vomiting, laxatives, or excessive exercise. We damaged our digestive systems and our teeth while we starved our bodies of the nutrients we needed to live. Some of us were so terrified of gaining weight, we went to great lengths to restrict what we ate. We refused to eat certain foods. We developed complex rituals around food. We tried to avoid eating whenever possible. Other people told us we were too thin, but we thought they were overreacting. Our weight went down, sometimes to dangerous levels, but we still felt fat. Most of us got plenty of advice from others about how to get to our, quote, ideal size, but nothing permanently solved our problem. We found that no matter what we did to ease our turmoil, our compulsive eating behavior eventually returned. Over time, we became weary and discouraged from battling with weight and our self-esteem went down. Still, we could never accept our powerlessness. The prospect of being obsessed with food and weight, sick and out of control for the rest of our lives led some of us to conclude that life was simply not worth living.
Many of us thought about suicide. Some of us tried it. Most of us, however, never reached suicidal desperation. Instead, we took comfort in a feeling that everything was all right as long as we got enough to eat. The only trouble was that, as our compulsive eating progressed, we ate more and more, yet we were never satisfied. Instead instead of bringing comfort, the overeating backfired. The more we ate, the more we suffered, yet we continued to overeat. Our true insanity could be seen in the fact that we kept right on trying to find comfort in excess food, long after it began to cause us misery. Once we honestly looked at our lives, it became easy for us to admit we had acted insanely where food and weight were concerned. Many of us, however, were able to confine our compulsive overeating to the hours when we were alone and to carry on with relatively normal lives. We worked hard during the day and ate hard at night. Surely we, surely we were sane in most respects. More self-examination revealed many areas in which our lives were out of balance. We had to admit that we had not acted sanely when we responded to our children's needs for attention by yelling at them or when we were jealously possessive of our mates. Too much of the time we had lived in fear and anxiety. More comfortable with food than with people, we sometimes limited our social lives. We closed the curtains, stopped answering the phone, and hid in the house. When we were around other people, we smiled and agreed when we really wanted to say no. Some of us were unable to stand up for ourselves in abusive relationships. We felt we deserved the abuse. Or we focused on others' faults and thought for hours about what they should do to solve their problems while our own problems went unsolved. Compulsive eaters are often people of extremes. We overreacted to slight provocations while ignoring the real issue in our lives. We were obsessively busy, then we were exhausted and unable to act. We were wildly excited, then deeply depressed. We saw the whole world in black and white. If we couldn't have it all, we didn't want any. If we couldn't be the best, we didn't want to participate. Little by little, we saw how much pain our way of living was causing us. Gradually, we came to believe we needed to change. In all of life, as well as with food, we were irrational, unbalanced, and insane. If our willpower and determination couldn't change our unsuccessful way of living, what could? Clearly, if we were to be restored to sanity, we had to find a power greater than ourselves. At this point, most of us had trouble for one reason or another was step two. Some of us did not believe in God. We despaired of finding a solution to our problems if that meant we had to, quote, find God. Some of us walked out of our first meeting when we heard that three-letter word mentioned and didn't return until years of more compulsive eating had made us desperate. Those of us who stuck around and began working the steps made a wonderful discovery. OA doesn't tell us we have to believe in God, only that a, quote, power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We are invited to define that power however we wish and relate to it in whatever way works for us. OA only suggests that we remain open to spiritual growth and show tolerance for others by neither criticizing nor promoting specific religious doctrines in OA meetings. Ours is a spiritual program, not a religious one. We have no creeds or doctrines, only our own experiences of recovery. Atheists and agnostics are welcome in OA and have found recovery. 
How have we who are not believers in God come to believe in a higher power? It usually started as we sat in an OA meeting and experienced the camaraderie of our fellow compulsive overeaters. Here were people who understood us and cared about us. We could be totally honest about ourselves, and they still accepted us unconditionally. This acceptance grew into love, carrying with it a power that seemed to stay with us as we left our OA meetings. It was not too great a leap of faith to believe that this shared love was a power greater than ourselves that could help us, help lead us to sanity. The love of the group then became our higher power. Before long, we usually asked other OA members to be our sponsors. Most of us chose someone with whom we felt a kinship or in whom we saw recovery. As we developed personal relationships with our sponsors, the love of the OA group came to us in a deeper way. Sponsors answered our questions, listened to our problems, shared our tears and laughter, and guided us in recovery as they helped us apply OA principles in our lives. For the first time ever, we felt the relief of not having to face our problems alone. This relationship represented a higher power in which we could believe. However, OA members are human. Sometimes when our groups or sponsors failed us in some way, we felt cut off from the support that had come to mean so much to us, and our new sanity seemed threatened. We now needed a more reliable way of relating to a higher power. At this point, we learned we could act as if. This didn't mean we were to be dishonest, dishonestly pious or pretend we believed in a God when we didn't. It meant we were free to set aside theological arguments and examine the idea of spiritual power in light of our own desperate need for help with our lives. Some of us began by asking ourselves, what do I need from a higher power? What would I like such a power to be and to do in my life? Once we identified this power for ourselves, we found we felt at ease with it. Then we began to act as if such a power existed, and we found good things happening to us as a result. Little by little, as we experienced changes for the better in our lives, we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves that could restore us to sanity. Those of us who arrived at OA with a set of religious beliefs usually looked at this step and said, No problem, I'm beyond that step. I already believe in God. Then to our dismay, some of us found ourselves having more trouble with the OA program than agnostics or atheists. Sometimes we had trouble because we believed in God's existence, but we didn't really believe God could and would deal with our compulsive eating. Perhaps we didn't believe that our compulsive eating was a spiritual problem, or we felt that God was concerned only with more important matters and expected us to control such a simple thing as our eating. We failed to understand that God loves us in our totality and is willing and able to help us in everything we do, that God will help us with every decision, even food choices and amounts. Many of us had asked God to help us control our weight, and this prayer hadn't worked. Later, we understood why our pleas for help seemed to fall on deaf ears. What we were really asking God to do was remove our fat while allowing us to go on eating whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted. Most of us also needed to learn to ask other people for help and to let God speak to us through our fellows. In OA, God's healing power comes to us through a caring community of other compulsive overeaters. Before we joined the OA fellowship, 
Our prayers for help might have gone unanswered simply because we were never meant to face this disease in isolation. We were meant to open up so that we might learn to receive love and to truly love others. Whatever the case, after years of making vows and saying prayers, but then eating compulsively again, we were left without faith that God could restore us to sanity about food. We believed intellectually that God could do anything, but deep in our hearts we, quote, knew God couldn't help us with this area of our lives. It was this negative concept about God we had to change if we were to find recovery. How could we do this? We became willing to start fresh with our higher power. Our heartfelt concept of God wasn't working, so we became willing for it to be changed. Just like atheists or agnostics, we could begin to do this by asking ourselves what exactly we needed and wanted God to be to us and to do for us. Then we acted as if God were really exactly what we wanted and needed our our higher power to be. We became willing to let go of any concept about God that wasn't helping us to recover from compulsive eating. We had to replace our old ideas about God with a faith that works. This was both humbling and frightening for us, but once we became willing to do it, surprising things began to happen. For all of us, Coming to believe was something that happened as we began taking actions that others told us had worked for them. Whether whether we believed these actions would work for us didn't seem to matter. Once we took the action and saw it work, we began to believe. Then we tried other suggestions and our lives began to be transformed. This willingness to act on faith then was the key to step two. It was the beginning of the healing process and relief from the food compulsion. We began to see stability in our unbalanced lives. We responded to the love we had been shown in OA by taking action and working the steps. The result was a newfound faith in ourselves, in others, and in the power of that love. We had begun to develop a new relationship with a power greater than ourselves, and we were ready to move ahead with our program of recovery.